learn how to be led by his spirit because one of the principal reasons that he, his, one of his principal ministries in the earth today is to lead God's children, to guide them. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures. But one of the main reasons for this is God wants you, God wants you to know him. And, and, and being led by the Spirit involves listening to Him, hearing His voice, learning what... It, we're going to talk about that. Learning how you hear His voice, how you hear God talking to you. Because I would venture to say God's been taught... First of all, God talks to us. So if you're not hearing anything, it's not because God isn't communicating. It's because either you don't know He's communicating, you don't know what to listen for, or we're not listening. We're kind of like little children that just, you know... They don't hear unless it's time for ice cream. And then, then they hear. And so, uh, so we're going to talk about some of those things, but I want to kind of lay a foundation for this because I really, have, for a number of years ago, wanted to get into this, and then I got sidetracked into some other good things. And I really feel like it's, it's, it's a time for us to learn, learn how to be led by the Spirit, how to hear the voice of God because He's living in you. God's not speaking from heaven down here. If He does, watch out, duck. God's living in you. One-third of God is living in you. One-third of who God is, one-third of who God is, including what God knows. He doesn't know one-third of God who knows, but one-third of God who knows everything. One-third of God who can do anything. One-third of God is living inside of you, and we're walking around the way Paul called the Corinthian church as mere men and women, mere people. And I mentioned to the men on Saturday, you know, we said, well, you know, we're just human. No, you're not. If you're born again, you're not just human. Your body's just human, but you're not just human. You are a child of God living on the inside of you. And the church hasn't awakened yet, or some of them have, but not really not awakened yet to who we are in Christ. And I'll get distracted by this. Okay. So... The Spirit of God in us, one of His ministries is to enable us, equip us to communicate with God our Father and with our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, before He left, left instructions to His disciples about how to communicate with His Father. He exhibited in front of them for three and a half years how He communicated with His Father in absolute confidence. And so He's now passed that on to us. So in order to do that, we're going to give a little bit of background here, a little bit of basic understanding, and then we may go into this in a little more detail later on. First thing is to understand that, that you are made up of three parts. First Thessalonians 5, 23, I think it is. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and those two live in your body. When we did the course on renewing the mind on Wednesday nights, we walked through that, I diagrammed it out for you. So who you really are, this is so important to understanding and walking in what God has done for you and wants to, God wants to do through you, is to understand you have three parts. Because a large part of the body of Christ just thinks we're two parts. We're body and soul. And here's the problem with that. If I'm just a body and a soul, the body part of me I know. Okay? It's my flesh. But then there's my soul. And, my, and I know my soul. My soul some, have, some days has better days than others. Some days my 
thought in life is everything it should be, and some days it's a battle. Some days I'm, you know, I, I have no doubts about anything, and other days, you know, I've got to struggle with some doubts. You say, you do, Pastor? Yeah, I'm just like you are. I've got to struggle with them, and I've got to overcome them just like you do. And yet the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 5, 20, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. Verse 21 says, And he who knew no sin, that's Christ, became sin, so that we, that's you and me, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says in several scriptures, Christ is living in us. Well, if I'm the righteousness of Christ, and then some days... I don't feel, or maybe we don't even act like the righteousness of Christ. Then what happened, what was changed and transformed when Christ came to live in me, and that spirit man's been made the righteousness of God, my soul is something different. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. That's the part of me that's being changed, transformed. That's why we spent all that time learning about renewing your mind, because what we discovered is the words in, Paul, in Romans 12, 2, is we are to be transformed. That word in Greek if you really study it out, it means to take what's on the inside of you and bring it to the outside so others can see it. And so we are three parts. You are a spirit man. You have a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your personality, and they live in your body. Now, your body comes from the substance of this earth. That's why it says, you know, your body, Adam's body was formed out of the substance of this earth. So your body has a natural contact with this natural material realm. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning. Did you ever ask in the beginning of what? Not this, in the beginning of the Bible? No. It's in the beginning of this universe, this realm of creation that we call the natural realm, the physical realm. And it's a realm that your senses are constantly in contact with. You're, you see, you hear, you feel, you taste, and you touch. This world is, this natural world is bombarding your senses all the time, and that's, that's the physical part of you. The spirit man, which is the real nature of you, is a spirit being, which means your spirit man is born out of another realm of existence, which is the spirit spirit realm of existence, and until we really renew our mind to what the Bible says, we're not very conscious or confident that that realm is very real because we can't see it, and we have developed this confidence that we can only believe things that we can see, only believe things we can understand, so if I can't see it, it's hard to really believe it's there, or if it's there, it's kind of an imaginary thing like our dreams, but the Bible teaches us, that's why we have to learn to discover reality based on what God tells us about it, not what the scientists tell us about it or we even think about it, because God knows more than our scientists know. God knows more than anybody knows, and he's given us this book to instruct us on what he knows we need to know about that spirit realm. He doesn't tell us everything about it because we get lost in it. We become so spiritual-minded, we be no earthly good. But, but God does tell us what we do need to know about it. And it tells us that that, that realm is very real. Jesus dealt with the spirit realm. He dealt with spirit beings. He cast demons out. He talks about angels could come came, came down and ministering to him. So if Jesus, the Son of God, believes in that spirit realm, it's got to be real. And the Bible tells us in, in, in John 4, 24, that God is a spirit. 
which is why John goes on to say that's why we have to, if we're going to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth because God is a spirit. So we're not, we don't want to get sidetracked onto these things. But what we call praise and worship isn't really praise and worship. There's three basic things. There's giving thanks unto God, there's praising God, and then there's worship. True worship is a spirit-to-spirit communication. It's not fast music, slow music. It's not goosebumps. It's not an emotion at all. It's a communion with your spirit to God's spirit. And it's not necessarily done in singing. But most of the church, most of us, are so dominated by our five senses, including in church, when we're praising and worshiping God, that we're not in touch with the spirit man on the inside who wants to worship him. And so we go through life, and I didn't mean to get off onto this, but this is where we're going. We go through our life as Christians dominated by our five natural senses, interpreting spiritual things through our five natural senses. And Paul has a term for that. It's carnal. You mean I'm carnal? Carnal doesn't mean sinning. Carnal means dominated by your five physical senses. The basis of that word is sarks, which is a Greek word used for your flesh. is being dominated by our senses. But and here's what this is all about. God has put inside of us a perfect communication system. I mean, think about this. God's our Father. We're His idea. Kids come over. They're all grown. And I, I love it when they come over and they sit around their kitchen ta- dining room table and they just I learn things that happened I didn't know happened when they were growing up. They just talk back and forth and you know, and I, sometimes I just sit there and smile and Anita go off and play with the grandkids and I just sit there and smile and listen to, enjoy their conversation, joking with other another. You know, when you're parents and you're a family, you want to communicate with each other. Communicate with each other. Nowadays we live in a society where that's kind of a lost art sitting around a kitchen, a dining room table or a kitchen table. You know, my mother made us sit down and eat together. She made us sit down and eat together. My wife made sure we sat down and ate together. Sometimes when I was a lawyer, I didn't get home like 7 o'clock, and they may have eaten something. We sat down at a table together. We sat down at a table so we could communicate together. And I believe that's part of why they still love to come together and talk to one another. They now FaceTime each other and, you know, communicate with each other. So don't you think your father in heaven wants to communicate with us. That's how relationships are developed. He made you to be in a relationship with Him. That's what this is all about. And relationships are developed by communicating. But here's the problem. It's hard enough to sit down and communicate with somebody that you can see and not be distracted by what's going on. My wife and I usually have a date like on Friday night. We'll go out, you know, and especially if I've had a difficult day, we'll sit down there and, you know, I know we're there to communicate and I'm having trouble because I'm zoning. I'm trying to slow down from my day. I'm slowed. And so what I've learned to tell her is, look, I'm trying here. I'm here. I'm trying to focus on you, but my, my mind's running and she understands that. But, you, but if that's hard enough to do with somebody I can see, how much harder is it to do with somebody I can't see and I'm not sure he's always there. And if he's there, he's got so many else to listen to. Why would he listen to me? Am I the only one who's ever had that thought? All these things interfere with our confidence to listen and to hear. And communication's all based on confidence. If I'm confident God's listening to my prayers, if I'm confident he's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to be bolder to come and talk to him. 
And that word boldness appears three or four times in the New Testament telling us to come boldly to him. That word boldly in Greek doesn't mean just stomp in like this. It means come in openly and say anything that's on your mind and don't worry about how it's going to be received. That's what that word means. Just to speak your mind openly. Some of you are good at doing that with one another. But with God, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to have that kind of confidence before Him. Confidence that He's there. That's why Hebrews 11.6 says faith is so important. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It's not faith itself that pleases Him, but faith enables you to do what pleases Him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Because in order to come to God, that's what pleases Him, you must believe two things. One, that He is, and number two, that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. In the Greek, that literally means those who continually seek Him out. Those who are continually seeking him out. He's a rewarder of those. But if you don't believe he's going to answer you, if you don't believe he's listening, if you don't believe he's even there, I mean, whether physically there or mentally there paying attention to you, you're not going to come. We don't want to be disappointed, especially if you're in a need. So the communication with him is so vital, and he knows that more than we do. So he has provided a method of communicating with us understanding us, knowing us, knowing our frame, as David says. He's made us. He knows our frame. He knows what it takes to communicate with us. So he has designed a perfect communication system, and the Holy Spirit is at the center of that. The Holy Spirit is at the center of that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Begin to get in the notes. Now, this is, of course, called the love chapter, but it's, it's really, it's, a, it's got about love, but that's not its purpose. But at the end of this, Paul writes this. He's talking about spiritual things. Verse 12, now we see in a mirror dimly. <laughs> I went in the bathroom to take my shower this morning. I'd gone walking and exercise, and, and my wife had been in there first. So I walk in there, and I walk in, and I look in the mirror, and I can't see anything because it's all fogged up. So there's a mirror of spiritual gifts. Because chapter 12 introduces the concept of spiritual... Well, the, it, it explains what they are and what their purpose is. And he's talking about the fact that they were misusing these gifts. They were operating these gifts because they were... He called, it's interesting, because this is the people he called carnal, and yet the gifts of the Spirit were flowing in them in church more freely, apparently, than anywhere else. So the, the, the flowing of spiritual gifts and discernment is not a measure of your spirituality. But it is important. So Paul's writing this letter to correct them about their mistakes and their excesses of it. And so what he does is chapter 12, he's teaching them, by the way, you, the way you correct things is with teaching. So he teaches them what these gifts are and what their purpose is, that they're not for your personal benefit, they're for the benefit of all. And they operate differently. And then he ends by talking about in chapter 12 about we're all one body and these different gifts are supposed to function together for one purpose under the direction of the Holy Spirit because it's the body of Christ that we are that's to operate for his purposes and his benefit. Chapter 14 deals with certain specific gifts which are the speaking gifts which are basically prophecy, tongues, and... and, and, and uh, prophecy and tongues and... What's the other one? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, but sandwiched in there is chapter 13, 
which basically says you can have all of these flowing greatly, but if your motive isn't love, it doesn't count as anything for God's purposes. So he's talking about spiritual things, spiritually communicating God through the Holy Spirit, communicating to his people. And he ends that chapter with his instructions. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. This is, he's explaining to them why these spiritual gifts are necessary. They're necessary because we can't see God face to face. Now we see, it would be better to put, now we see as if it were in a mirror. Although, I'll show you at some other time, this Bible really is a mirror. James calls it a mirror. Uh, 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 Paul, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the end, calls it a mirror. He talks about looking into this mirror... It's the only mirror you look into that doesn't reflect back what you look like. It reflects back what God, how God sees you. So the longer you look in this mirror, the more you begin to act like who you really are. I don't know I could get off on that. Okay. For now we see as if it's in a mirror dimly or not clearly. We can see something, but it's hazy. It's, it's fuzzy. It's, it's fogged over. But then, face to face... Now, some people that teach these things have passed away think that the then refers to when the Bible was given, that the reason the gifts of the Spirit was given is because, because we didn't have the Word of God yet, but now that we have the Word of God, the New Testament, we're seeing face to face. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you see this perfectly clearly? I don't. How many of you ever say, you know, whoa, I've never seen that before. That means you didn't see it clearly yesterday. So if this word is what they're talking about, he's talking about, then we should be seeing it face to face, clearly. Now we know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Kind of like 1 John 4, where he says, you know, we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we see him just as he is. Here's talking about the same thing. Now we know in part, But then when he's come, what he's talking about is when Christ comes back. He's the one we're going to... You can't see this book face to face, but him you can see face to face. Face to face means I don't have to imagine what he looks like. I don't have to imagine the color of his eyes. I don't have to imagine whether he's looking back at me or not. I can communicate with him and understand his nonverbal communication. But until then, it's dimly. It's like looking in a foggy mirror. And then I shall know also as I'm known. Verse 13, now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, all right. So this is what we're talking about. So it's essential that we're able to talk to God and hear from God, and God wants by His stripes were healed. I still feel pain in my body. I guess I'm not healed. That means I've decided whether this is true based on my experience, not on the veracity of God's Word. So if God says He's talking, that He must be talking. So that means... Something's wrong on my end, and in most cases, it's just our ignorance. We don't know, and that's the reason why we're going through this, so that from now on we will know. But we can have known and then forgotten, so this is a reminder for some of us. Okay, 
we need direction in our lives. God wants to help us and develop us. Our development comes. He wants to be able to correct us. God's primary way of correcting us is speaking to us. Just as a parent, my primary way of correcting our children was say, don't do that. And if they listened, I smiled and I was pleased that they heard what we said and didn't do it. So that I didn't have to grab them and spank them all the time. And I didn't have to because you, the goal is for your children to learn to do what you say because you said so, to listen to you. And God is the same way. He wants us to just learn to listen to what he says. And we'll learn what, the, what that is, how he does that. But he does do it. That's the important thing to see. He wants to help us. He wants to develop us. And it's not all spiritual. I'm not going to take the time tonight to do this, but you've heard me, most of you heard me tell a story. And I've got a number of them. Back when I was a lawyer, situations in court, when I, and so this is not in church. We're not talking about spiritual issues. We're talking about simply things for my benefit or the benefit of the clients I was representing where God supernaturally, in some cases by a gift of the Spirit, showed me what was going on, told me what to do, gave me instructions of what to do. I mean, I had cases where the Holy Spirit led me through that case of what to do that I never should have won. I've had judges reverse themselves. Two cases where judges reversed themselves. One case, judge reversed the decision he'd made only a month before. And he only did it for me. And when the other lawyer argued about it, he told him to sit down. Because I followed what the Spirit of God inside of me told me to do. I'm not talking about winning souls. I'm talking about winning a case. Now, I gave God credit for it when I got back home with the client who thought I'd done wonderful things. And I said, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew how to listen to God. Okay. So, now, here's the problem. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, because we can slip into this. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I'm in 3. Therefore, I, this I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, in most translations, they leave out the rest of the Gentiles. What Paul's saying here is, I'm saying to you and testifying that you should not walk the way you used to walk or the way the world walks. Now understand this. When the Bible talks about walking, it's not physically talking about your left foot, left, right, left, right, left, right. It's talking about the manner of your life, your course of your life. Your physical walking may be part of it, but it's talking about how you walk through this life, how you walk through this day. So it's talking about living your life. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. How do they walk? In the futility of their mind. That's a powerful statement. Futility means it doesn't produce anything. Something that's futile has a lot of effort in it, but it's wasted effort because it doesn't produce anything. Gentiles are referring to people that have no covenant relationship with God. They're outside the family of God. I talked about that a little bit on Sunday. So these are people that are not in Christ. And we were that people. So he said, I say therefore that you no longer walk. So we used to walk that way. We used to conduct our lives in the futility of our mind. We're going to see what that means in a minute. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Oh, is that full of things. 
the, the Gentiles, those without a relationship with God through Christ, those outside the family of God, they have to function this way. They're trying to understand reality. Did it sitting in a chair just thinking? He came up with a theory of relativity, just sitting down in a room, a dark room, no char- no no blackboard, no you know no iPad not writing anything down. He did it all up here. That's scary. I mean, it's hard enough to remember your phone number or what you're supposed to go tomorrow, let alone to come up with a theory of relativity. And then later on, thinking down, he corrected it and and adjusted the theory. And now our physicist that proved, I don't know, 80 years later, he was right. That's an incredible mind. But he couldn't understand God with that mind. With all that mental IQ, all that mental understanding, with all the understanding of physics, he couldn't understand. And our scientists today can't—they come up with a big bang theory, but they can't figure out where the bang came from. Because the bang's got to come from something. I can tell you where it came from. Hebrews eleven. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand. By faith we understand. Not by our intellect. Not by our, you know, our, our, our whatever it is, their atomic microscope, uh, telescopes. By faith we understand. See, there's a border, there's a, there's a border around this natural material universe. There's a border around and across that border into the spirit realm. And it's not a physical border because in this room right now are spirit beings. There are angels in this room right now. Because each of us has at least one angel assigned to us and some of us need a lot more than that just to keep us out of trouble. Not only that, there are unlike, un- undoubtedly some evil spirits in this room. I have no idea who they came in with. They may have been left over. But there are spiritual forces at work that we just walk around all day long ignorant of. They have to be real because Jesus addressed them and cast them out. So there's a spiritual reality out there that's affecting this natural. In fact, if you study it out, everything that's of this natural material realm, first of all, existed in the spirit realm and came out of that realm. God calls things that be not as though they were. He calls things out of that realm. And faith calls things in the heart of God, in the mind of God, out of that realm into this natural, into what we consider existence. But they already existed before. Have I lost everybody already? Okay, okay, good, okay. I didn't mean to get into all this, but it's important to understand that there's a spirit realm out there that's more real. I mean, how many of you are going to go to heaven when you die? Well, you better believe there's a spirit realm out there because that's where it is. There's not a zip code for heaven. It's not the North Pole, the South Pole, the top of some mountain there. It's not, in a, it's not a physical place. It's a spirit place, but it's more real. So there's a border around, but it's not a physical border, you know, four billion light years out there. It's the boundary between the natural and the spirit realm. And that boundary's right here for me and it's right here for you. I never taught that before. That's good. Okay, and here's the problem. 
You cannot discern spiritual things with your mind. Put that scripture back up, verse 17. The Gentiles are operating in the futility of their mind, verse 18. Futile because they can't understand the things of God. Having their understanding, their mental understanding, darkened. Darkened means they can't see. The lights went out. But in that case, they never went on. They can't see things, meaning understand things, because they don't have the capacity to see something in that realm. It's as if their eyes are blind. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan blinds the eyes of the unbelieving that they cannot see the hope of the light of the glory of the gospel that's in Christ Jesus. He blinds their eyes. That's one of the things in praying for the Lord. You need to take authority of Satan because he's blinding their eyes from seeing you. Romans 8, 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. The law of the spirit of life. When Christ came in you, the spirit of God came in you and he brought the life of God in you. So you have the life of God on you, but when somebody doesn't have the covenant with God, when they're outside the family of God because they've not received Christ, they're separated from the life of God. He doesn't want that separation. They're separated themselves because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, of their inner man is blind. They can't see what you and I can see. But most Christians are walking around just as blind as the Gentiles. Most of us are walking around just as blind because we talk just like them, think just like them, and act just like them as if we, have no, if we don't have God living inside of us. That was exciting. <clears throat> but it's the truth. Christians that are not being led by the Spirit are walking around just like Gentiles and wondering why we produce the same results that they produce. Why aren't we a more effective witness? Because we're trying to do the things of God through the power of our mind instead of by the power of the Spirit who lives inside of us. All right. We better, we, oh, wow. We better move on. Okay. So they're walking around without the life of God inside of them. Now, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, we're not going to turn there, but tells us that, to trust in the Lord with all our... Trust in the Lord with all our heart. That's your inner man. Lean not to your own... That's your mind, understanding. Doesn't mean you can't think, because we need to think. Because there are a whole bunch of Christians that think to be led by the Spirit means you throw your brain out. They misquote, they, well, they don't misquote it, they misthink, they misread Romans 12 too. It says we're transformed by the removing of our mind. <laughs> and so all kinds of crazy things happen, which is a poor witness. God is real. We have to do weird, crazy things to, to, to be a witness of God. God is real. God's involved. God wants to say, I mean, you start seeing blind eyes open, you start hearing, seeing deaf ears open, you see lame people begin to walk. That's not craziness. That's God real. God's caring. God's real. You see the dead raised? That gets people attention. Now, you and I can't do that in our own strength. But we're walking around like the rest of the world. They can't do it because they don't have God in them. We've got in them, got God in us, 
but we're not walking around conscious of God in us. And when we're conscious of God in us, we don't know how to communicate with Him to know what He wants to do. Okay. We won't go there right now either. All right. As God's children... Let's go to Romans 8. This is just kind of an introduction to this subject. As God's children, we have, a, we have certain rights, certain privileges. And one of those privileges is to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage leading again to fear. That's what the law was like. But you've received a spirit of adoption, a spirit who has brought you by adoption into the family of God. You've received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the spirit in you enables you to cry. Go, to, go ahead, go to the next verse. Cry out. Go to verse 6. For the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God's, so you've got living inside of you. If you're in Christ tonight, I've talked to you, I talked to you, went over this at length on Sunday. God took your old spirit man out of you, your old nature out of you, and put his nature in you. That's how you were born again. Because again in the Greek also means from above. It means both a second time and it means from above. But then God, according to Ezekiel, says, and here's proof of it, God then took his own spirit and put him in you. So you've got a spirit person inside of you that is born of God that's you know. That's why you don't know that by understanding. You don't know that by figuring it out. There's just something. In, and with some of you, it's more confident than others and the reasons for that. But that knowledge comes supernaturally, spirit man to spirit man. And this is a great example of something we're going to see. Because the way God communicates with us, the primary way God communicates is His spirit to your spirit. We're going to see. We may not get into it tonight. You're going to see that God's spirit knows everything God wants you to know. And God's Spirit is joined to your spirit. When, when Jesus talks about or prays about or teaches his disciples about being one with Him and one with the Father, how do we do that? Are we, you know, are we, you know like you see sometimes kids in a mall that are kind of tied together with this tether together or, or somebody out walking dogs that are all tied? Are we, no, no, because you walked in here, you know, I don't see anybody tied to you. So it's not a physical tying, it's a spirit union, because God is a spirit. So God's spirit and your spirit are perfectly joined together. That means there's perfect communication between them. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's okay, we'll go back over. So God's spirit searches God's heart and knows exactly what God wants you to know, and then perfectly communicates it, perfectly communicates it, to your spirit. Say, well, how come I don't understand? Because there's an 18-inch journey that that information has to travel from your spirit man who's in your center up to your brain. And that's where the problem is. Because our brain isn't designed, it's designed to, it's not trained by us yet to listen. So this is a process we're going to go through of really renewing our minds to know how to hear what God's saying to us. How to recognize that voice inside. Is it God or is it me? 
We'll talk about some of those things. But it starts by you've got to have confidence that the Spirit of God is in you communicating with you every day about situations. I think we're going to get to heaven and find out, oh my gosh, did I miss that one? Oh no, I could have done this. Oh Lord, please. Uh, probably the first thousand years are just, oh God, oh my goodness. Oh Lord, please. Can we get this over with? You know? oh, I, could have, I didn't have to make that stupid mistake. Oh God. So because you're a child of God, verse 15 says, go back to verse 15. For you've not received the Spirit, but the Spirit, go back to 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if you're a child of God, God's Spirit is in you to lead you, to direct you. He's in you to bear witness that you're His child. He's in you, I never thought of this before, He's not only bearing witness to you, you're God's child, but in the spirit realm, he's bearing witness to all the spirits that you're his. So when the devil comes up to you to harass you, God's spirit in you makes him know you belong to God. Well, then how come he's able to harass me? Because you got to do something about the devil. The spirit of God can't. You speak and he can act. You're, the Word of God on our lips, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, is the sword of the what? Spirit. But that sword of the Spirit to overcome the power of the enemy in your life is words coming out of your mouth and not, oh no, what's going to happen? It's this Word of God coming out of your mouth. That's the sword you put in the Spirit's hands to defeat the spirit of this enemy that you have, which is your spirit. Uh, which is this? Which is Satan? Okay, so it's a right we have. It's a right we have. So God has designed a perfect communication system. I've already said that. Let's go to John chapter ten. I'm just going to give you some other scriptures right now that show you promises that God wants to communicate with us. And what what causes the difficulty in many times is just a lack of confidence because I'm not hearing anything. To him, the doorkeeper, and the sh- so the doorkeeper opens the door. The shepherd comes in, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. There's three significant things in here. Verse 3 says, My sheep hear my voice. His sheep, those who belong to him, and just in case you don't understand it, the Bible refers to us as his sheep. So that means those that belong to Christ, those that are born again, those that are in the family of God, we are considered His sheep. The metaphor that's being used here, He is the good shepherd and we are the sheep of His pasture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay. The sheep, His sheep, hear His voice. So I'm not hearing it. His sheep hear His voice. I can't... His sheep hear... Stop telling me what your experience is and let's say what God's Word says. 
Because if you keep speaking your experience, you're going to keep getting your experience. But you need your experience to line up with God's Word. God's Word says, my sheep hear my voice. What he's saying is, my sheep are capable of hearing my voice. Doesn't mean they always listen, but they're capable of hearing my voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. Oh, is that rich? Oh, we don't have the time tonight to do this. Number, those of you that have been around for a while remember Marianne Brown. Oh, I miss her so much. And she was, she was unique. And she would come here and she was a prophetess for those, I mean, a real one. Not a, a lot of non-prophets out there, but she was a real prophet. And she would, she would tell it like it is, what she heard from God. But, but she, had a, she, said, she had a wonderful heart. She loved the Lord so much. And she told us a story personally about a, a, a she had some funny stories too, but about a, a, a last time she was in Israel and they were in a bus and the bus stopped because there was a, there was a huge flock, it was flocks of sheep crossing in front of them. And there were multiple shepherds and the, and, and the, the tour guide says, watch this because there were different paths that were going to go. You watch what's going to happen. And as they crossed the, lo- the road, these different shepherds started making sounds. Some of them, she said, were clicking sounds. Some of them were tapping sounds. Some of them were, were, were just, you know, and I can't, she didn't even speak to them. And, and when they did, these sheep's heads went up. And they started separating themselves out to follow the voice, the sound of their shepherd. How did they learn to do that? We're going to talk about this down the road. How did they learn to recognize his voice? Because they spend time with him. And the shepherd knew those sheep by name. The shepherd knew the individual quirks and personalities of the sheep. They could tell that's why the shepherd that had a hundred of them and 99 and one was missing, he knew one was missing. Because he knows them all by name. And what does the Bible say? God not only knows your name. Isn't that nice to know he knows your name? You're not a number to him but he knows the numbers. The hairs on your head are numbered. That doesn't mean they're counted. He got the number for each one. He watched your cells formed in your mother's womb. He knows you intimately. It's hard for us to imagine that because there's so many people, it's so complex, but we forget how big God is. We sang about that tonight. How big, that's why it's important to magnify the Lord, how big he is in your own. You're not going to make him bigger, but by singing to him, worshiping, God, you're so wonderful, you're so great. You created this universe just with your words. And the bigger God becomes to you, the more capable he is in your mind of hearing you and answering you and being aware of you. Hearing you and answering you and being aware of you. I'm just going to read the other scriptures to you. Um, John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father, whom my Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. That's John 14, 26. John 16, 13 through 15. He will speak and He will disclose to you, look at this, what is to come. Now, not the lottery number for next week, but He'll disclose to you what is to come. He'll tell you what's going to happen. He'll give you advance notice of things if we'll listen to Him. He shall glorify me. He shall take of mine and disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, He takes of mine and discloses it to you. Discloses it to you. Discloses it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, I can't go there because it's too involved. No, 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 let's not go there. 
because once I get into that, it's going to take a while. And it's, it's it, you know, we need, to, we need to bring this to a close tonight. This is just kind of an introduction to the subject. We've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But I really feel as a, it's wonderful to know what he did in the Old Testament. It's wonderful to know what he did for Jesus. It's wonderful to know what he did in the book of Acts. But we need to know what he wants to do for us, for the church today, for your life and my life, and for this church itself, what God wants to do for us. God, God's in, in you, directing you. He cares about, as I said to you earlier, He's given me direction in legal cases. Well, if He'll do that for me, He's no respecter of persons. He'll give you directions on your job. I know of people that He's given invention, ideas for inventions to. Our son, one of our sons came to me one time, this is years ago, and he said, God, God gave me this idea for an invention. I said, well, I don't have to tell you this, but it's already been invented. He got discouraged. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. God's showing you things. Don't be discouraged. That's a way to confirm to you this is something that really would have worked. Some of you get ideas and you say, well, I don't know what that is, you know. And you don't realize. God's showing you things. God's showing you things. But you've got to learn to listen and hear. Those directions in those law cases came because I was in a crisis situation and I learned in the crisis to not let my mouth run loose and my mind run loose, but to listen in here. Say, God, there's some answer you have in here. Um, there's some answer you have in here. And you won't hear something you're not listening for. You won't hear something you're not listening for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Lord, what your word teaches us. That you've not left us alone. That you're not just in heaven sitting there watching what we're doing. But you've literally come to live inside of us to lead us and to guide us into truth. Father, there are things in the Word of God that you want to show us and teach us and instruct us and just demonstrate for us, help us to have illumination from your Word. Father, your Word tells us that you want to display to us and give us revelation of how much you love us. The Spirit of God inside of us has been given to us to do that. So, Father, as we bring this service to a close, help everyone tonight to be encouraged that, that we can all hear Every one of us here tonight, we can hear. We can hear. We just learn, need to learn how to hear. Father, we know on the inside of us, you want to teach us. Your word tells us that he's a teacher and he will lead us into all truth. And this is the truth we desperately need to be led into. So we thank you, Father, as your spirit inside of us begins to take what we've heard tonight and make it more real in our lives. Some of you will have situations this week where you'll come across something and, and you'll remember what you heard tonight. Put it into practice and ask God, show me, Holy Spirit, you're in me. Show me what to do. Give me instructions. And we thank you, Father, that you'll do that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.